Hey, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to ask you to open them to 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, as always, there's a Bible app event for this, and you can use that to follow along if you would like. We'll be in 1 Corinthians 15 in a few moments. You know, uh, we buried a few people in the past few months from Kerbinsville Alliance, people that we did not want to say goodbye to. Bill Fryer, Judy Kim, Louise McGarvey, Nancy Vaughn, Janine Bowman, Ellis Miller, to name a few. And it is hard to be separated from people we love, even when we know where they're going. Now, when a Christian dies, uh, when anyone dies, but especially when a Christian dies, you hear a number of different reactions. For example, uh, I saw on Facebook uh, when Judy had passed away, uh, somebody posted, God got the very best. (laughs) And, you know, the idea is she's so good, and now she's with Jesus, and we'll miss her. You often read other things, too, or hear people say other things. You'll hear them talking together as a family, and someone will say, well, they're, they're not suffering any longer. And that's a, a sense of comfort that you get from that, because you know that in heaven, the old order of things has passed away. Sometimes someone will say, she will be dearly missed, or he will be dearly missed. And that's true. When we're experiencing loss, we, we recognize that. I'm a pastor... And honestly, I never know what to say when someone dies. What do you say in that moment when you're at a funeral home, at a viewing, or if you're just talking together before, even after the funeral? Honestly, I don't know what to say because nothing I can say fixes the pain that we all feel at a time like that. I want to say something. You want to say something. We want to affirm some faith that's there, and we want to create some hope, and we want to certainly express our love. What do you say when someone dies? I want to tell you the most profound thing that I know of that was said this past week by a 10-year-old, <laughs> a 10-year-old who had lost her pappy, Addison Warren. They were together as a family. I don't know the details, but uh, what I understood is they're together as a family. They broke the news to the kids, and everyone's crying. And uh, Addison spoke through her tears and said these words. I don't know how anyone who is not a Christian could go through this. We know we will see him again. Ten-year-old. Ten-year-old. She is echoing the voice of Scripture that our hope is in Jesus. And I want to read some of those words to you from the resurrection chapter. Just the first half dozen verses or so. 1 Corinthians 15, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture, that he appeared to Cephas and then to 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And he goes on to say, Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead. Jesus Christ crucified for us. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. Jesus Christ, the one who paid for our sins so we can have eternal life. 
Jesus Christ ascended to the Father. Jesus Christ. This is what we believe. When you think about this, what you believe matters. You've heard this expression, right? You are what you eat. Have you heard that expression? I know it's not true, because take a look at me. I have eaten a lot of turkey. Just keep your thoughts to yourself there, Milton. Okay. (laughs) Rich Mullins says something way more profound than you are what you eat. Rich Mullins, in his song Creed, said, I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. Think about that. I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. And then he added this. He said, I did not make it. It is making me. Do you get that? I didn't make up the gospel. I didn't come up with this idea sitting in my living room one day. I wasn't daydreaming and came up with the thought that maybe God became a man and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father and through faith in Him, I can have eternal life. I didn't make that, but I got to tell you, that is making me. That truth is transforming me. It is changing me into a different person. What you believe matters. And people have always known this. If you go back into history, no matter what kind of anthropology you're looking at, no matter what culture you're in, people are writing down their religious ideas because they know what you believe matters. From the book of Genesis and the creation in the Garden of Eden, even to today, we know this is important, but we do tend to forget it sometimes. I want to illustrate this a couple different ways. I'm not going to be political, but I just want to talk about politics for a second. When the internet was young, and I love to say that phrase, when the internet was young, because it makes me sound so old, and I don't mind being old. When the internet was young, you could go to a politician's website, and you always, on that front page, it seemed, there was a link that said, my platform. Now, platform, that's a word that politics uses to say, This is what I value. These are my positions on issues. This is where I stand. This is my statement of belief. And as I said, when the internet was young, there was a link to that platform on politicians' first page. But recently, I've gone and looked up some politicians' platforms. And on that first page, it doesn't have a link anymore. What they believe is not detailed in an outline. It is very crisp and very easy to grab a hold of. The platform is absent. In fact, do you know that you can search any website by typing the word you're searching for, platform, into Google, and then type site colon www.whateveritissiteyourelookingfor.com or .org, and Google will tell you where the word platform appears on that site. And one of the major politicians in a recent national election, the word platform was not on his site or her site. I don't want you to know who it was. It doesn't matter. What I want you to see in that is just an illustration to say to you that evidently the candidate doesn't feel like what he believes about certain issues is really what you're looking for. And maybe it isn't. Because as society, we kind of tend to forget that what we believe is important. You can even see this, this is my second illustration along this line, in Christian ministries. It used to be whenever you went to any ministry's website, you could find what they called a statement of faith or a doctrinal statement, or a statement of belief. And you still can often. It's stuff that they say, here's what we believe about Jesus. Is that pretty important? Here's what we believe about the condition of humankind. 
Here's what we believe about eternal destiny. Here's how we believe you can go to heaven. Is that pretty important? Here's how we believe you can avoid hell. That's pretty important. And that was almost always there. Some of the most important questions of existence are addressed in a statement of faith. And when the internet was young, that was a leading page. One click away from the main page. But more and more as I go to churches and ministries websites, I have trouble finding that. And I'm not sure that it's because they're ashamed of it. I think they just think that you think that it's irrelevant. That somehow as a society, we have forgotten that what you believe is important. And that's crazy if you think about it because Rich Mullins is right. What you believe is what makes you what you are. Tozer said this over and over again. I've read you other Tozer quotes where he says this. I'm going to read you what I think is another good one. He says this. The most portentous fact, that means important, the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. The most important thing about you is what you think of when you think of God and what you believe about God. So this statement of faith that we've been going through for the past 10 weeks and we're finishing up today, it's important. And these different items that we've addressed each week are really vital to your spiritual health. How you view them is important. I'm gonna give you three examples. These are three statements that we've talked about from our statement of faith. And I want you to see, consider how your life would be if you didn't know these things or didn't believe them. Just pick three. Here's one. There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You understand why that's important? I don't know if you've come across this, but sometimes when you're talking to people, they say this kind of figuratively. They, they say, you know, the universe has been treating me pretty poorly these days. Have you heard someone speak of the universe that way? Man, the universe is doing right by you. And and I understand why people say that because I'm a science nerd and so I follow stuff like that and I get where that's coming from. I just don't believe it. I just don't buy into it. If I really believed that a soulless universe was determining my destiny, I have to tell you, I would despair. I would just flat despair. If mere cause and effect is mapping my journey in life and my eternal destiny, my existence, then why am I living at all? Why am I making healthy choices? After all the cheese I had at the funeral dinner yesterday, my wife says, you're not making healthy choices. Why not eat a block of cheese the size of my head, right? I mean, if the universe is in charge and I have nothing to... Why am I not feeding my most vile desires? if it's just an impersonal universe that's in charge? Why am I not behaving like an animal? Why do I care about anything above my own appetites? But I don't believe that a soulless universe is determining my destiny. I believe there is a God, and I believe that he is infinitely perfect, and I believe that he is personal, and I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. Let's take another statement from the statement of faith. Salvation has been provided through Jesus Christ for all men, and those who repent and believe in him are born again, 
of the Holy Spirit receive the gift of eternal life and become children of God. What does that matter? How is that important? That's a bit of a silly question, isn't it? But think about this. If salvation is necessary, but it isn't provided from, by God, where does that leave you and me? <laughs> it would mean we would have to be good enough on our own. Salvation is necessary, but there's no God who, to, to provide it or he didn't provide it. Oh, then I have to earn it on my own. I have to be perfect to earn it on my own. And so I'm either going to begin to fake perfection, and that's called fake self-righteousness, or I'm just going to give up altogether on it. None of us really could be sure we were righteous enough. And so we would, we would never be sure of our eternal destiny, and we would always live this kind of world where, well, I hope I'm good enough. You go into heaven? Well, I kind of hope so. Every moment would be strained and stained with uncertainty. But I don't believe that I have to earn my own salvation. I believe the fourth word on the screen, it has been provided through Jesus Christ for all who believe. And when I turn from my sin and trust Jesus, my sin is taken care of. And I am free to live a life that pleases God and benefits others. And I know where my eternal destiny is because the salvation doesn't come from my righteousness. It comes from his righteousness. And that blesses me. I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. How about one more? There shall be a bodily resurrection of the just and of the unjust. For the former, a resurrection unto life. For the latter, a resurrection unto judgment. The resurrection. How would your life be different if you didn't believe in a resurrection? How would your life be different if you didn't believe in life after death? How would you behave if you thought this life is all there is? I would say for me, there'd be a couple of differences. First, uh, let me just speak for most people, not for me. I think for a lot of people, there'd be a couple differences. First, most people would do everything they could to avoid death. I mean, if this life is all there is, then I better really cling to it as tightly as I can. And there would no, there'd be no removing life support for me. <laughs> I'm hanging on. And, and, and I would never, I think people would never lay down their life for a friend or for what they knew was right or for their values or for their country or for their freedom. Because, hey, this is the only life I have. I'm not going to lay it down. I think the most important cause in most people's mind would be the cause called their own hide. And uh, they would hold on to that as tightly as they could. Nothing more. Now, another thing, we'd struggle with relationships differently than we do now. Struggle to even think, I don't even know if I want a lot of relationships. Be like my buddy. When I was a kid, I had a buddy that had a dog, and the dog died. And he was very sad about that. And, you know, we're kids, so we said, well, you're going to get another dog? He said, no. Here's what he said. Losing my dog forever is too hard for me. I'm never getting another dog. I'm never getting another dog. It's just too hard to say goodbye. Now, I get that. It's hard for me to say goodbye to my dad when he died 17 years ago, 16 years ago. Hard for me to say goodbye to my mom, other people, friends. And without the hope of the resurrection, those relationships would really end in oblivion. 
Once they're gone, they're gone. There's no hope of ever seeing them again without the resurrection. But because of the resurrection, everything changes. And because I believe in the resurrection, I've really never said goodbye to a person. What I want to say is, see you later, alligator. (laughs) Because I know I am going to see them later. Because I believe in the resurrection, (laughs) death is kind of like my daughter going overseas. I will see her later. Planning to fly over January or February this coming year. It's like my son going, or your son or your daughter, moving across the state or across the country. You know, okay, yeah, it's hard to see them say, it's hard to say goodbye to them, but you know, it's not the end. It's not oblivion. It's not all over. There's a future. There's an eternity. Because I believe in the resurrection, (laughs) I will visit with Ellis Miller again. And I will tell Ellis Miller that John Deere tractors are better than his old farmalls any day. I'll say that to him. And because I believe in the resurrection, I will walk up to Janine Bowman, who will have a resurrected body with resurrected ears. You know she was almost stone deaf. She read lips. I'm going to walk up to Janine Bowman at the resurrection and say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because she won't need to read lips anymore. I will see Nancy Vaughn and she will be well. I will see Bob Wise and he'll tell me something cute his dog did one time. And I will see Louise McGarvey and I will see her smiling eyes. Did you ever notice how her eyes smiled? That little twinkle she had. And I will see Judy Kim again and we will laugh at something silly that Chuck did one time. And I will see Bill Fryer. I'll hear him talking about his grandkids again. Who are you longing to see? Do you see how these doctrinal issues are not just stuff on a website or stuff on paper? These theological concepts make you who you are and change everything about your life. I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. So think about what you believe. And don't be afraid to think deeply. It was Socrates who said, allegedly, (laughs) that the unexamined life is not worth living. I agree with that. Some people feel like, I'm not going to think real deeply about this. I just need to know Jesus loves me and I'm good to go. But there is a wealth of information about the love of Christ that when it takes root in your heart, it preserves you through hard times. And when you go through a tough time, you have that foundation of what you believe to lean into. Think about what you believe and make sure that what you believe will endure. Make sure that your belief system is one that will carry on. Christianity is enduring. Every now and then you'll hear someone say, well, you know, Christianity is only 2,000 years old. And that's not because they're bad at math. It's because they're bad at, at theology. Christianity goes into eternity past. In the Garden of Eden, when Eve and then Adam eat that fruit, God speaks of Jesus Christ. Right there in chapter 3. And in fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus was chosen before the foundation of the world to act as our Savior and Redeemer. It has endured from eternity past 
Even to today, Christianity endures beyond the grave because through it, through him, you overcome death. Do you know this gentleman on the screen? That's Stephen Hawking. I like Stephen Hawking. I've always been a fan since I was in college. Stephen Hawking died recently. He had Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. He was a brilliant mind. He was a theoretical physicist, cosmologist. He was an author who directed the Research Center for Theoretical Cosmology at the University of Cambridge at the time of his death. They don't let dummies do that. You've got to be pretty smart to get that kind of position. One of the smartest men that ever, ever lived, perhaps. By the way, he's released a book since his death. It's like the Beatles. They released another song. They've been broke up and half of them are gone. For how long? I don't know how they do that, right? Now, what Hawking did, he was working on a book. They they finally released that. And I saw a news headline that said, Stephen Hawking says there's no God. So I went and I checked. I read the article. I looked at the at the text, and that's not exactly what he said. Can you imagine a news headline that didn't reflect reality? I don't understand that. Right? But the truth is, whether the news headline's right or wrong, Stephen Hawking did not believe in a personal God. He did not believe in a personal God. He knows now. Some people might look at Hawking and they might say, there's probably the smartest man in the world, and he doesn't believe in God. If Christianity is real, Pastor Steve, why do so few smart people believe it? And my answer is the same as Paul Little's answer. The reason smart people don't believe in Jesus is the same reason that stupid people don't believe in Jesus. That's a great line, isn't it? Because it's not a question of intellect. It's a question of choice, often a question of moral choice, and your willingness to submit and surrender and to trust. It's not a question of intellect. It's a question of choice. My good friend Milton grew up in this church and went away to college and picked up an advanced degree at Bucknell University. That's a pretty elite school. His degree, I believe, is in mathematics. Is that correct, Milton? I'm impressed. During that time he was away, he kind of wondered away from his Christian roots, he has told us, uh, here and there. Got to thinking, I'm not sure that this Christianity thing is true, Maybe it's not, and then he went back, maybe it is, maybe it's not, maybe it is. And, 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 and along the way, and I'm probably not saying this exactly like Milton would say it, you can have him tell you. He told us one morning at men's group, he said, you know, I came to the conclusion that the evidence could kind of go either way. Either you could, the evidence could go for God, or it could go against God. He didn't use this phrase, but this is the impression I got when he said it. You know, I did the bath, and I saw really it could go either way, It's not something I can prove or disprove. Maybe it's a choice. Maybe it's a choice. And Milton said, I choose God. That was the best choice you ever made. Right up there with choosing Maria to be your wife. Right? Yeah. I want to say you don't let the media, don't let a physicist, don't let a professor with an attitude at college or a teacher with the same, Don't let some scoffer at work, don't let some cynic in your life turn you away from God. Because here's the deal. Their opinions will come and go. 
And those people will come and go. But God will remain. He will remain. What you believe is what makes you what you are. So be sure your belief system is one that is enduring and be sure that you make learning about your faith a top priority in your life. Study the Bible. If you find time and can, make a small group a priority. Wrestle with hard questions. Attend church. I love this phrase, ready? Attend church religiously. (laughs) Right? Believe that what you believe is what makes you what you are. We saw a lot of people go to be with Jesus in the past several months. It's hard to say goodbye. It's even hard to say, see you later, alligator. But I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. What do you believe? Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Belief in that changes everything. I want to pray that you would have an awareness that what you believe is what makes you what you are and that you would choose to trust Jesus always. If you're comfortable doing so, let's stand together as we pray to that end. Let's bow our hearts together. Lord Jesus, it's easy for us to lose track of the reality that what we believe is really important. We are very busy with details of life, and we're very busy being consumers of entertainment in life, and we're very busy with trivialities of life so that we often don't even think as deeply as we might. And that is dangerous because when a whirlwind comes through our life or when a, when a, when a problem comes into our life, sometimes it can knock us off our feet. So help us to realize that what we believe is what makes us what we are. And therefore, we should really tend to considering what we believe. And we should, by an act of our volition, choose to trust you. Because when we do the math, it often just kind of seems like, yeah, it could go either way. But it isn't about math with you. It is about faith with you. It's not some kind of blind leap of faith. It is a decision to trust. And so may we, each individual who is here, have turned from our sin, have trusted Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us, and have crossed over from death to life. And may we move forward walking following you, Lord Jesus. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.